0: Thanks, Shavar. So so Shavar, guys, that's Shavar. He's our our, our youth and and, uh, and students worker. If if you you put a tractor tire, do you get bigger potatoes? Or if you put like a performance tire, you get faster potatoes? That's awesome. Thanks for that, great story, Shavar, really. So my name's John, and um, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and so whether you're in the building or you're online, it's really nice for me to welcome you here. If you know me at all, you'll know something about me. I love flying. I I love aeroplanes, and any opportunity I get around aeroplanes, I absolutely love. Except for that one moment. One moment when you've walked onto the plane and you've seen that it's not that full, and you've got a nice seat, with maybe you're on your own, nobody's with you. And then you look up, and you see that person coming towards you. And you're like, please, no. Please, please, no. It's not that one. I hear that you know where I'm at here. It's the moment I discriminate. It's the moment I make a choice in my heart about that person that's approaching me and I go, please, not them. And all of us in that moment have the reason that we decide, please, not them. And I'm gonna leave you with your reasons, I'm not gonna tell you mine. But it's a very real moment and it really is light-hearted, but the truth is, something sinful is going on inside my heart in that moment. We've spent six weeks now grappling with what it means to be a capital C citizen in the small sea world that we live in. A citizen of the kingdom of heaven and a citizen, a subject of the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this world and representing him. And I've gotta say this, I have loved this series. But I've also really struggled with it. The parts of it I've just loved so much I have loved this idea of of grappling with big picture things that, that we as followers of Jesus can't ignore. These big ideas about what it means to engage this world. It's been wonderful. But it's also honestly for me been really hard at times. It's been wonderful because of those amazing pictures that have been painted. Those amazing pictures of 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 a kingdom where where every tribe and every nation and every people and every tongue are together worshiping God and and focused on Him and, and, and there's no more tears and there's no more suffering and there's no more death. It is it is it's God's kingdom. It's heaven. And, and I love the fact that we've been able to paint that picture and look forward to that. It's been one of the great things that I've just so loved about this series. I've loved it because, because it's presented to me opportunities. I, I love challenges. I love the next thing. And, and I love that I've been challenged to, to not just listen, but to go and do and be, and, and not just have the theory about being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but the practice that there's stuff I must go out there and and say, and and stuff that I must go out there and do and act differently in my own life, and, and things that we as a church family can do. I've loved, I love those kinds of challenges. I've loved the idea that that I keep being presented with this, that I have to become more of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I've got to change. I, I, I turned 60 this year, and the temptation is that, you know, oh, well, I'm done now. But that challenge of we're never done, as long as we're here, we are citizens of God's kingdom in heaven, but here on earth, and as long as I'm here, and I've loved it, I've loved those pictures. Listen to one of them. Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a great picture. I, I, I go to memories that I have of, of individuals a lady that I met in Papua New Guinea who's got, you know one of those epically wrinkled faces? You, you, you know one of those? And just the joy. And, and I go to, and they're all there. They're all there. And they're all doing one thing, praising God. I love those pictures. A united world where people who are deeply different are truly one. It is a picture of God-created unity. That's why I've loved this series. But now I want to tell you why I've found a lot of this series hard. One of the reasons is that I've had to test my own personal allegiances. I've had to ask myself for question, in this particular place or that particular place, where is my actual allegiance inside my heart? Is it to the small sea, this world that I'm in, that's quite comfortable and nice for me, or is my allegiance to the big sea world, to, to, to God's world, that, that, that has this beautiful picture, but, but right now it's hard? It's hard to act out the principles of this world. I loved and I hated going home after last Sunday when, when Richard talked to us about consumerism and gluttony and sitting down with my family at a bra that had a bigger piece of steak and lots of chicken and going, I need to actually approach this differently. I, I need to... It's not a sin what's happening here, but what I do with what's happening here. And and it's hard sometimes when you have to look inside yourself and say, Am I really being guided in the way I think and the choices I make and the things that I say and do by the world around me and my own desires and comfort? Or am I being guided by God's word and God's kingdom and God's desires? not only for me, but for the whole world around me. It hasn't just been personally hard for me in my own person, but it's also been hard for me because of this world and what it actually looks like. And as I look at the world, I go, wow, it doesn't look like that at all, does it? it, it this world doesn't ever look like God wants it to look and... And there's so many things that I just feel I can't solve. And so it's hard because I know I should look, but I want to look away. We all do that, don't we? And that's why it's been hard. So this morning, I want to invite you to come and struggle with me for the rest of the sermon. I want to invite you, whether you're in the building or you're online, to come and struggle with me as we talk about being kingdom citizens in a deeply divided world. Because the world is deeply divided. I just want to remind you of the picture of what our world actually looks like. Because this division causes devastation. You see, we we can talk about it in terms of I don't want that person to sit next to me on the airplane. But we can also look at what division has done in this world for thousands and thousands of years. Somehow it's easier as we look at pictures of division to go, it's happening over there. You know, when we see lines of policemen and protesters, when we, when we see pictures, not only on the news, the kinds of pictures we see every day, but if you're like me and you, you love the History Channel and you go and look and you, and you see things from the past and you go, I, I, I really don't want to look at that because the truth is this division has created so much pain for so many people. It's not a modern problem. It's something that's been around forever. But the thing we struggle with is we get to see it these days. It's much harder to hide from it. And it's not just over there. It's right here. It's a a public holiday tomorrow. Well, it's actually a public holiday today. But we get tomorrow off because today's a Sunday. It's human rights day. What a privilege to be able to live in a country where the secular government says, you need to have a day where all of you remember that all human beings are made equal. That every human being has the same rights as every other human being. But it's also sad because the reason we have it on this day is because of the Sharpeville Massacre. Something that happened the year before I was born where, where 69 people were killed and 180 were wounded because they refused to carry passbooks, pieces of paper that said you can't go wherever you want to go. Some of us Don't have to have them, others of you have to have them, and they said, We won't anymore. Throughout the history, not only of our country, but of our world, division devastates. And so, how does the Bible address this issue? What is it that Scripture has to say to me about being a capital C citizen in this divided world, and especially this racially divided world? And and I want to pick that division because it represents so many other kinds of divisions, and it seems to, to hang over not just our nation but our world at the moment. This idea that races need to be separate, But it's not the only issue. Division is the issue, but it it serves as such a great illustration for all of us. You see, the temptation is to downplay the issue because words like racism don't actually appear in the Bible. All those isms, those modern sociological or political terms, don't actually, they're not in the Bible. And so the temptation is to say, well, you see, we, shouldn't, we should not ignore them because they're not actually in the Bible. But the truth is, the Bible has lots and lots and lots to say about those kinds of things. It just doesn't use the words that we are used to. And so what does the Bible have to say about this issue of diversity in the world, or of division in the world? First of all, God's kingdom is a place of both diversity and unity. So so when it comes to looking at division in the world we live in, we have to look at it in the light of what God's word says about his kingdom. And it says so very clearly all over God's word that God's kingdom is a place of epic diversity and perfect unity. It was in that passage that we we read earlier and it was very specifically named all these people all so different yet united in doing one thing but it goes all the way back that passage was in revelation it goes all the way back to genesis where god says this let us create man in our own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them Right there in the very beginning, he's saying, I'm going to create diversity, two very different genders, two very different sexes, but one image. One image, the image of God. Psalm 133, a passage we use to label our church meetings. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon it's like oil running down on Aaron's beard. The imagery is a bit weird for us but it's the message is clear. God blesses his people when there is unity. Jesus prays for us for his disciples and all of us in John chapter 17 and it's a long long prayer and part of that prayer is father I pray that they will be one. So this idea that God's kingdom is about unity, it is clear that God loves both diversity and unity, and it is His goal to make His kingdom like that one day perfectly. It is a huge issue. And if we are going to be capital C citizens, we have to go where God wants to go. Not where we want to go, but the Bible also helps us because it helps us identify the sin that is at the root of this problem, it, it helps us identify the sin that is the seed that creates this thing that God doesn't want, which is division and discord. And depending on what translation you read, the label that the Bible gives the sin is the sin of partiality. The sin of partiality. Some translations you say this the, the, the sin of discrimination or the sin of judgmentalism or the sin of division. The sin of partiality, which says I am towards one person over another person for a specific reason. I'm for one person over another person for a specific reason. Or I value one person over another person for a specific reason. And so the Bible says this idea of partiality is a sin. Why? Number one, it is an attack on God's character. Partiality is a an attack on the character of who God is and the character of the king, of the kingdom that you and I are called to serve. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17 says, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. So, so it paints this picture of our king who is, who is never partial. He doesn't weigh up people based on arbitrary things. He weighs every single one of us in exactly the same way, by his perfect standards. And so when we attack others, when we when we decide who's worthy and who's not. We are attacking God's character. This is a hard thing. And it's something we have to learn. Even the early apostles, in Acts chapter 10, Peter says this in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show partiality, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And so Peter, this great apostle, the leader of the early church, has to admit that he's come to this realization that it is part of God's character to never show partiality. And so when we show partiality, we are attacking God's character. Second thing about the sin of partiality is that it is a questioning of God's judgment. It is by implication, the idea that we have a better judgment ability than God does. And it's incredibly practical. It works its way out in in such practical ways. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say in his letter in James chapter 2 about this questioning of God's judgment. My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. See, this picture that this passage paints is this. Partiality is a sin. It goes against God's character and it questions God's judgment. And in fact, this passage points out the fact that it's an incredibly serious sin. It's one of those things that we like, well, it's... Come on, John, come on, sitting on an airplane is not such a big deal. But but here's the problem with sin. Sins have both theological and real-world consequences. They all have the same theological consequence. They all break our relationship with God. But the truth is, if I I tell a little white lie to maybe protect someone's feelings, it's okay-ish. But if I perjure myself in court, <laughs> but it's the same root, isn't it? It's the same root. The root is I'm not telling the truth here. And so sins do have sometimes bigger consequences than other consequences. And partiality is one of those sins that, that ends up having these massive consequences. And, and this warning is really serious. In fact, James says this is such a serious sin that it, it it goes against the royal law. Now, we all know, you know, if you can do some of the little things, but don't break the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, it's, it's obvious. And so don't we do that. We say, well, I haven't broken any of those. But there are laws that are above the Ten Commandments. It's the royal law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. The Bible says if we keep those two laws, we keep all of the rest. And James is saying this is such an incredible sin that we go against the royal law. We question God, and we become judges. And we say to people, you're not worthy, and you are. James goes on to say, not only do we judge, but we empower the powerful and disempower the powerless. These rich people that you're trying to, put next to you and give a nice place. They already have power out there. They already have it. They're the ones that are are creating issues in our society, says James. Don't give them the same power here. Show them that they are the same. And those who are powerless, show them that they are the same in the eyes of God. Let's go back on that airplane. What is it that happens when I'm sitting there? first thing that happens is, in fact, I'm putting myself first. Here I am on an aeroplane, a privilege that most people don't get in this world. I'm going to get to fly somewhere. This is amazing. But I want to do it on my terms. I want to be comfortable. I want to have something that somebody else doesn't have. The first thing is I'm, I'm saying this is about me. It's not about everybody else. I'm assigning arbitrary value. I'm not going to tell you which kinds of people I'm worried about when they approach me. But it's based on things that I like or dislike in this world. Which are yours? And sometimes it's based on the weirdest things. And sometimes it's harmless. Or supposedly so. I mean, we all know that men are better drivers than women. Except they're not. The insurance companies have proved that to us. They give women cheaper insurance than they do men. Why? Because they have proven. But yet we all still go around, no, men are better dry. Why? It's, it's something it's just arbitrary is happening there and it's wrong. And if it stayed at the level of silliness and harmlessness, it would be okay. But it doesn't. We've seen it. We've seen that these seeds that we sow, when we say to some person, you sit there, but you sit there, cause incredible devastation because the sin of discrimination, that is the seed, grows into a terrible tree. Not just one tree, many trees. Trees that are harmful and destructive, not just for individuals, but for the whole society. I wanna give you the scientific names for some of those trees that the sin of partiality has grown into in the world we live in, xenophobia. Because you come from another country, you are not worthy. You're different. You don't deserve sit here. People from our country can sit next to me. Classism, because of the the town you were born in, or the side of the railway tracks that you were born in. You were born in the right place, you can come and sit here next to me. But you were born in the wrong side of the railway track, you go and sit over there in the corner. Racism, because of the color of your skin. You can't do this, and you can. Sexism, because you belong to that sex. There's stuff you can't do, or places you must be. Gender based violence. Because you are the weaker sex, I have the right somehow. Homophobia. I'm terrified of you because you identify differently to me. Genocide. Because you belong to that group of people, we can wipe you out. Segregation, slavery, apartheid. That's not an exhaustive list. Every single one of those things that I've named are trees that have grown up all over our world. The seed, every single time, is the seed of partiality. Somehow, you aren't the same as me. The sad thing is that often those trees are ignored and sometimes even cultivated by us. That those trees that that seed has grown into have throughout history often been cultivated or ignored by the followers of Jesus. The genocide in Rwanda and Burundi Those two nations were one of the most churched nations in Africa. What about about the rise of Nazism? Where where the church became divided, and there were part of the church was pro-Hitler and part of the church was anti-Hitler. What about the thing we call chattel slavery? The kind of slavery we all talk about, the kind of slavery that existed in our world when this country was founded and when the US was founded. That kind of slavery that says one human being can own another human being. That we can take you against your will from wherever you live, and we can move you somewhere else, and you can belong to us. The church empowered that. There are whole denominations that were created in order to defend that practice. we know it in our own country, in the history of apartheid, that there were those of us inside God's kingdom that were going, well, it's not great, but it's okay for this and this and this reason. And if you look at every single one of those trees, they have the same story behind them. The same story that says somehow you are different to me and therefore you must be treated differently. So how is it that we are able to be capital C citizens in this racially divided world? What is it that God is asking us to do? Well, firstly, he's asking us to destroy the seed of partiality in our own lives. And the way we do that is to acknowledge what the gospel is. Acknowledge that Jesus came here to earth to die for people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everybody, that this this gospel is about God so loving the world. And this gospel is about a day when every tribe, every nation, every tongue, we've got to put the Gospel first. And we've got to, in that process, be able to examine our hearts. Am I being small C here or am I being big C here? Am I being honest as I look at Scripture? And for me, one of the great values has been inviting other people into the conversation. Because if you're anything like me, your life is full of blind spots. Your life is full of things that go, well, it can't be that bad because it's never felt like that for me. But then I talk to somebody else I remember learning from Martin Koepmann, one of my first real, real proper friends of another race. And and his pain of not being able to go to the movies with me just because he couldn't get on the bus like I could. Being able to learn, but not just from other people, but from God's word and be able to sit down with other people and say, I see God's word saying this because of my history. How do you see that? What does that passage say to you because you're so different? We can destroy these seeds by allowing Scripture and God and one another to examine our hearts and be honest about what we find there. But you see, we can't just stop there. Often we as followers of Jesus, especially in our tradition, we wanna stop there. We wanna say it's all about me fixing my heart. It's not. It has to start there and it can never stop there, but it has to go further because it's not just the seed we must destroy. We must be part of cutting down those trees of division. Scripture says it like this, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We've gotta do things where we see things are broken, we've gotta do things to fix them. Go back to that passage in James. It says, do stuff. Don't have one place for rich people and one place for poor people. Don't have one place for this kind of... Everybody, when they come together, they just sit down together. They're all in the same place. You have to do something. The hard part about this is acknowledging that when these trees grow, like the tree of apartheid that fed some of us and sheltered some of us and made our lives better... That same tree was used to hang other people on. That same tree was used to starve people. And that same tree was used to poison people. And that same tree was used to beat people. And, and I, this is not easy. I'm Not for one moment pretending this is. This is very hard. But it's what we have to do. Remember I said that sometimes the church feeds or ignores the tree. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the church says, no, 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 no. There was a British politician, he became a politician in 1870. And then in 1875, he became a Christian. His name was William Wilberforce. And William Wilberforce said, no, 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 no. The slavery thing, it's got to go. It's got to go. And he created a movement, not just in his own heart, but in British politics and around the world that said, this tree must get cut down. We've seen it in our own country. We've seen it in our own country. And we can cut little branches off. We may not have the power to take the whole tree out, but we can cut branches off. We can cut branches off by not acting sinfully towards other people. We can cut branches out by by learning from other people and saying, you are very different to me. Teach me what it's been like for you. And then we can take the step of planting seeds of unity. One of these days, we're going to have to cut that really nice tree down outside my office. I know some of you are already angry that I've just said it because it is a big, beautiful tree and people like to sit, park under it. It's a lovely tree and trees save the world and all that. We're gonna have to cut it down, folks, because it's starting to dig under our office. It's already messed up the driveway. It's starting to go after the drains now. It's beautiful and it's big, but it's gonna have to go because it's causing trouble below the surface. But we'll plant another one. You see, we're not going to leave it bare. We're going to plant another one there. And you and I are called by God to plant seeds of unity. And this passage we read gives us the clue of how to do that. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's what James says. He says, if you want to get rid of this division, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. We have to learn to love people, though. Have you ever noticed that? We have to learn. There's an incredible opportunity in our church called the Justice Journey at the moment. And you can sign up for it. It's it's an incredible journey where you can sit down with neighbors that you may not normally have sat down with and say, teach me how to love you. And and, And while that's happening, I'm gonna teach you how to love me. And when we do that, not only do we plant a seed, but we begin to cultivate it. Give me some of your fertilizer. You see, the truth is, Proximity destroys partiality. I'm telling you, nothing fixes this like getting close to people. It's why you got saved, because you got close to Jesus. There came a moment where you said, I actually need this. And when I'm prepared to get close to people, when I'm prepared to look down that aisle and go, oh, I don't want this person next to me. And then they come and sit. Some of the best conversations I've ever had on airplanes have been with people I didn't want next to me. Because I discovered who they were as human beings. They weren't anymore that huge person. Nobody wants that oak, six foot nine, because he's just, his elbows are everything, but he's a human. Why do we have to do this? Because we are capital C citizens in a small C world. And God's passion and desire is that people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, everybody will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let me give you a picture. And as I paint this picture for you I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ all different, all one, Christ around us. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Lord, what a big sea world you have painted for us. Lord, what a beautiful world where where perfect unity, perfect unity, and this incredible diversity, witness to the greatness of our God, shows how just and righteous and good and loving He is, that God really did love the whole world and that no sacrifice was too great, that he gave his only son so that we can believe in him and be one and be brothers and sisters in Christ. God, help us as home grounders, not just to point point people to that picture of one day, but to show them what it looks like now, to show them what it looks like when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Lord, as we celebrate it now, we look forward to tomorrow where we can do some of this and the next day where we can do more of this and then that eternal picture of when we will do it perfectly together with you in your kingdom. Amen. Let's worship together.